um, a leader is someone that leads, that leads. <laughs> That's the key thing, not build reports or dashboards. That leads. Playbooks are important because for new reps, there's so many fancy titles out there and almost like sometimes you don't even know what, like what do you actually do, <laughs> right? Let's, let's put it down to like affect the bottom line <laughs> revenue. Like that is your first like responsibility. Selling is not everyone's forte and some people actually dread it. But in today's difficult and challenging business world, you need to master certain sales skills in order to win it. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Sales Therapy. I'm not your typical host, Alper, ex-sales leader turned co-founder. And this is our talk show, Sales Therapy, where we discuss growth challenges, learn from others' experiences, and hopefully always end in a positive note. In this episode, I'm very happy to be speaking with my dear friend, Michael, who is one of the founding members of the very famous um, sales tech tool, Clary. And today we'll be talking about some very interesting things about uh, his experience of being in the world of complex deals, client relationships, uh, maybe his observations about uh, what leaders are looking for these days uh, to make their lives easier. Uh, Michael is super eloquent and super uh, diligent in the way he uh, forms his opinions. I think I really liked having conversations with him uh, previously when we were just building Flola. And one of the things he really did much better than I did was explain the value of the product back to me in a much more clear way than I ever could, <laughs> which is why I'm really excited to have somebody with a lot of B2B sales experience. Uh, that was a very long intro I did for you there, Mike, but I know you might want to uh, add something from your personal life, but how are you feeling today? Uh, good. Excited for the conversation. Excited to kind of get through what we plan to cover. So yeah, let's go for it. Absolutely. Um, so first thing first, before we talk about business work year-end and closing and deals, um, I like my guests to introduce themselves in their own words. And every good therapy session starts with childhood. So <laughs> may I ask, where did you grow up? What is your story? Where are you these days? And what's happened yes, in between? Yeah. That is so true. Every good therapy session starts with childhood. Um, so I grew up in... Well, I spent the first 10 years of my life in Nigeria, Lagos. I grew up, I was born in Lagos, Nigeria, kind of. Learn how to suffer there for a while, <laughs> right? Um, and then I came to the UK, um, learned how to suffer some more, um, coming from, you know, uh, you know, lower working class background, whatever you want to call it. Um, a mum working, a single mother working three, four jobs at once, going maybe days or maybe even weeks without seeing her, having to live by myself at 10, 11 years old. So that's kind of a little bit about my background and you know you probably maybe understand how that shaped my character as you know i've grown up um i'm obviously now much older right um based in the uk um i live in the garden of england called kent so that's that's a little bit about what i'm doing yeah. where i'm right now and you have somebody in the background for those watching the podcast there is a there is a picture there's a photo would you like to elaborate on that a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah, yeah. so this is my baby girl um her name's leah janae um she's awesome she's she's totally awesome love her to bits um so you have multiple yeah. jobs now yeah i have like four jobs at once <laughs> clary football agent husband dad <laughs> so yeah keeps me busy excellent and it was thank you for that intro and being very open about it uh, yeah yeah that that background shapes who you are and i guess like 
achieving in life, making mom proud, you know, uh, having a life that is a little bit easier than hers, maybe, or helping her out with that. Maybe those things uh, also drive the career progression. Yeah, I'd say so. I think one thing I got from my mom was just how hard she worked. I think if there's any any quality I got from her or, yeah, quality was just hard work, right? Um, so I'm not an only child. Uh, I do have an older brother, a different dad. Um, and, you know, just working so many jobs to support me, making sure I got through school, working multiple jobs to support him, make sure he got through school and the challenges that came with that. And then supporting family back in Nigeria, because of course the economy is terrible over there. So, you know, you find most people here from that kind of African Caribbean background yeah. in the UK or US, we're having, we're, we're working to send money back home and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of mouths to feed. And, you know, when you're watching that, there's a lot of mouths to feed. Um, so when you're watching that growing up, you, um, you just naturally become a hard worker yourself. You become yeah. someone that, you know, you want to be dependable. You want to, you know, be so you want to provide stability to your own family. So I really, I, I heavily prioritize that in my life, in my career. Um, so you can imagine, like, I've been at Clary for four years now. I'm not jumping around anywhere, right? I've been here a long time. Um, and I've made sure that, you know, in that time, I've grown quite a lot. I've pushed myself to grow as much as I can. And there's still some more growing to do. But it just comes back to that, you know, hard work mentality, yeah. <laughs> mouth to feed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's just the, the the context, I guess. Okay, this is I love how we dive into therapy. Let let me. This is really cool because it's exactly what I want to do. There's a definite relation between who people are and how they are at work and what they try to achieve in career. Yeah. Those are not separate things, although we no. want to separate personal life and business life sometimes. Anyway, um, now coming to uh, bringing you back from Nigerian days to today. How did you start your mm -hmm. career? Like, wh where did you start your career? And was it always sales? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, involuntarily. <laughs> um, so I, you know, growing up from like my teenage years, I've been heavily like orientated towards sports. I've been a highly, highly competitive person. So I went to, I did my degree in sports management at university. I had plans to go into football um i had my my career dream was to um manage arsenal football club <laughs> that was my career dream right i was going to be like the first team manager of arsenal football club now that that is a very long journey <laughs> right that is you have to build up so much reputation build up so much experience that was never going to be a five year thing i get to yeah. or thing i get to after five years coming out of university it's more a thing you get to after 20 years <laughs> um coming out of university i didn't have that time right yeah. i you know i wanted to settle down have a family yeah. i didn't have time to walk around um so i kind of put my cv online and got contacted by a recruiter and i kind of you know pivoted into recruitment so yeah. i went from someone that was doing a lot of man management and football coaching all that stuff into Recruitment, very early. That was my first job out out of, out of uni, um, and I did okay. Like I had, you know, really good transferable skills. You know, from my football coaching background. You know, you have to be super super clear when you're communicating. Yeah, you have, really have to be an excellent communicator when you're uh, when you're coaching or manager. You have to be able to, you know, communicate what you want, how you want it, very very clearly in a way. 
that's very easy to understand for a group of 20 people all at once, right? Um, you know, you have to make tough decisions. You have to be a dad. You have to be a coach. You have to be a therapist. You have to be, you have to play so many different roles depending on the individual that you're working with, right? So all 20 people I was managing or 22 people I was managing all had different needs as football players and as human beings. And you almost have to like chameleon yourself to be able to support what their needs are. So that gave me, you know, a really good, you know, skill set to go into recruitment because now I'm picking up the phone and I'm trying to build relationships with people. I'm trying to do business development and you're taking all that learning and just how to communicate clearly, how to sell your, how to, because as a football manager, you also have to sell an idea. You have to sell a vision, right? You have to sell, yeah. I don't know if you're too much into football, but you have to sell a vision, a philosophy of how you want your team to, uh, to play, how you want them to execute certain actions. So if you kind of transfer that into sales is you have to sell, you have to sell, you have to sell to a company that, you know, they should partner with you or in recruitment, in this case, you want to win their business, they're hiring and you want to, you know, be, you want to be hired as a retain, you know, you want to be given a retainer for a particular set of roles. So like, you're always selling something. I've always been selling something, whether directly or indirectly. So I fell into recruitment, did that for a year, then went into just cold business development, very transactional, high velocity sales, you know, closing deals in one calls in, you know, do more consultative selling and did that for a year and eight months. And then I transitioned to SaaS. Yeah. And then when I landed in SaaS, I started obviously as an entry-level SDR within about a year, I became a team lead, then maybe another few months, you know, started leading a SDR team of six, six to seven people, as well as field marketing um, at a company called Dynamic Signal, which was an employee communications platform. Then after a year, eight months, I transitioned to Clary, which I've been ever since. Again, just came into Clary. We had maybe two people here when I was talking to the to the company in, in Europe. We had two people in Europe joined the team. Um, there was four of us by the time I joined, and then really just helped to cover everything pipeline related in the region. So really looking after growth, right? Um, and pipeline and everything regards to that. And then of course I transitioned into a closing role um, after a year. So that's kind of been my very uh, interesting what short journey in in SaaS right um but yeah excellent um just a note for the editing section if you don't mind you need to shorten the answers to one or two minutes we'll, we'll cut it to them because if if it just yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well if when it's long-winded I, I should have told you that before but don't worry we'll, we'll do that because some of sure. the questions you already answered i think we'll just do like cool. one or two minutes is that okay two minutes max Let's, let's aim for that. Okay, great. I talk faster. I'm going back. Um, so for those who are not very familiar with Clary, can you explain a little bit what the product is and how you've become yeah. successful in such short time? Yeah, absolutely. So Clary today, um, in a couple of sentences, is a revenue platform that helps revenue leaders um, drive growth, efficiency, and predictability. Um, as in this kind of high growth startup environment or scale up environment that we're in, you know, um, sales leaders are looking to win. They're looking to win more deals. They're looking to hit their number. And what Clary does is to provide that visibility that they need to win more deals and hit their number to provide them, um, a scalable way of driving growth in their business and to drive more collaboration and governance, um, in their processes pretty much. Yeah. 
That's excellent. Every conversation I have with leaders, it somehow um, leads to um, something around data or insights. I think everyone's looking for ways yeah. to understand the client better so they can serve better. Um, you being the first, one of the first founding employees, etc. How was that experience for you in, in this giant, you know, high growth environment? Yeah, so I think the first thing when I joined was we, were, we spent a lot of time trying to establish our ICP in Europe, mm -hmm. right? Um, that was like the first thing. So we spent a lot of time in spreadsheets <laughs> understanding which accounts we should go after, why should we go after them? And then really then starting to build some kind of, you know, territory plan that makes sense for, you know, for our sellers to then go and execute, right? That's, that's kind of the first thing. Um, and then from a sales cycle perspective, it's really like, a lot of it when we landed in Mia was educational. No one knew what Clary was. It was all very educational. It was like, what is Clary? A lot of my phone calls I was making, what is Clary? What does Clary do? So it was a lot of it was education, brand awareness. And when we were lucky enough to get into a cycle, um, it was then, you know, again, more education and just trying to help leaders see how they could do things better than what they were already doing. Right. That, that was that was what it was like in kind of those early days. Yeah. And you were obviously selling the dream or selling the vision. I mean, I like talking about people's yeah. strategies when it comes to creating urgency, convincing the clients. And you are very well trained in that in your football management days, obviously. Uh, selling the dream, selling the Correct, vision, yeah. you know, creating buy-in to that. Um, do you think those skills were transferable to your life in sales? Yeah, 100%. Especially the charisma. Right. Charisma is not a word I hear too much among salespeople, but charisma is really important when you're selling to, you know, executives, like believing in what you're selling and just the charisma that you, you know, that you can transmit to, to the customer is really important. And that's something that really gets you over the line. Again, just be very clear about what this, what this is, what it does and how it can help them. That is really like fundamentally what they care about. How can they help them be better leaders? How can they help them be better coaches? How can it help them be better operators? That is it. Absolutely. And to become the well-rounded salesperson that you are today, I think I had a bit of a similar experience of like seeing both large complex deals, high velocity, how things are different, because they are quite different. Um, I guess, how was that transition for you from the high velocity, let's close the deal to a more consultative approach or tackling like complex deals? Um, did you have to develop certain skills or, you know, were things a bit different for you? Like, Yes. Yes. So I had to develop certain skills and the skills I think kind of top three would be how to ask very deep questions to get to the real pain, um, how to go higher, you know, wide in an organization. That's the second one. Mm. Um, and how to uh, essentially go from I'm selling to you to I'm selling with you. Those are the three skills I would Love. say are very different from transactional high velocity to kind of more enterprise concentrated uh, sales. I think I fell in love with those three tips, actually, especially two and three. I want to dig into two. How do you go wider yeah. in the organization, which is something that everybody preaches, yeah. Um, yeah. but I don't think everyone does it so well. Like on a scale of zero to 10, how well do you think you perform in that department? Uh, I'm I think at Clary, we drive a really rigorous process around multi-threading. So, yeah. you know, we know who our buyers are. We know what their pains are. We know what they care about. So as soon as like we're very early in the cycle, we're already kind of mapping out, you know, who we need to speak to. We target sales ops, sales leaders, CRO, number one customers are CRO. So 
depending if work, you know, most of the time, especially in our early days at Clary, we were stuck in sales ops, right? Sales ops were who we were speaking to most of the time. And yeah, rightly so, you know, they drive all the tech stack, et cetera. But um, we had to get, we, we didn't get, we didn't get good deals done until we got to sales. Actually, I don't even know if we got any deals done if we didn't get to sales. So we always had to get to sales, sales leadership. And really that's like VP of sales, you know, director of sales, CRO, C, chief customer officer, et cetera. So that is, and then really when you map that out and you know what they all care about, then it's just a matter of outreach. You know, how do you actually put together uh, an outreach campaign or outreach plan to actually, you know, touch each and every single one of those personas. One thing we do really well at Clary as well is we're really good at activating our, our leaders and board members. So what I mean by that is, you know, I, I'm, we will write notes for our VP to send to another VP. So we get our VPs connected to VPs, our customers. We get our CRO connected to CRO, our customers. We get our CEO connected to CEO, our customers. Like we do that really, really, really well. Um, and, you know, um, yeah, we, 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 do, we just do that extremely, extremely well. <laughs> and of course, you know, we have board members that are very involved. So, you know, we might have a really big deal that we're working on and, you know, a board member, one of our board members might sit on another board of a customer that we really care about or is connected to maybe an operator at a customer that we really want to win. So we just get a note from that board member sent to that operator, right? And then that's how we build a connection. So we really activate our leaders and our, and our C-suite and our board members at Clary. And that's how we, we're really successful and multi-threaded. And that's how I've got really good at it. I, I love everything that you say. There's so many best practices that you share in, in that you know short sentence and and something that I realize is sometimes outreach prospecting is seen as an SDR activity. And I always say, like, you are an SDR. If you're whatever level, like your job as a leader is to develop business and open new opportunities for your team, isn't it? I love um, yeah. how your board and everybody is involved in that. Um, you mentioned something yeah. which I'm really curious about. You mentioned that you, 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 you have a very clear idea of what leaders are looking for, what are they interested in, and, and sales leaders. Can you share a little bit about that? Like, what, what are sales leaders interested in? What's not working? <laughs> What's stopping growth? <laughs> right? Why they're losing deals? Um, and how to get the B players to become A players. Yeah. Those are like, for me, without being too elongated about it, other things that leaders care about. I can repeat them if you want, but I can also dive deep into a particular one. Um, but in the interest of time, if, is there any that you want me to dive yeah, deep yeah. into? I'll, I, I think first I would go with which, whichever you want to dig into, but I especially like yeah. number four, which is how do you turn mid performers into top performers? But let's go in your order. Yeah, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, yeah, this was actually the one that um, I was going to touch on first, okay, if you didn't ask. Um, so this, this, I don't know if you know, it's like, I, I, I'll tell you a very quick story. So I'm in this WhatsApp group uh, with, with other sellers and there was like a poll that came out in this group. I said like, and there's like 200 people in this group, right? And it was like a survey of how many of us get coaching, mm. right? And I thought you would be surprised that about 80 to 90% of us don't get coaching, <laughs> right? From our leaders, that's, that's crazy, right? Um, now, that's nothing to do with my leaders. Like, I, I'm pretty happy with, with how my leaders go about coaching. But I think just for the AEs out there, a lot of them are not getting coaching today. And you might dig into the reason why. It's because, you know, their VPs or directors of sales are very busy with more strategic stuff. But actually, the fundamental first responsibility you have is coaching. Not strategic stuff, it's coaching. So I think that you can't, first of all, if, you're, if you have like, if you're a director of sales, you're head of sales, and like you are thinking, you know, how do you get my B players 
into A players, but you don't want to do the coaching, then yeah. you're in dreamland. Like you're in dreamland. You, you don't get it. You just want Forget it done. It. You just want it done, but yeah. you don't have anything. You to do. Like you just want to get in your like dashboards and your fancy reports. Like that's that's not leading. I'm gonna say it out there for anyone listening to this podcast. Leading is not dashboards and reporting and like having fancy conversations with data. Like it's just getting in the trenches with people and coaching. So that's how you turn your B players into A players. When you lead by example, you show them how they're doing things, the gaps that they could, you know, they could fill and teach them how to do things better and more efficiently. Um, and then they can see the results from it and then pat them on the back when they get the results from it, right? So that's, that's for me. And, and you, the, the beauty about data is that data can help you turn your B players into A players because you can see through loads of tools out there that give you loads of analytics around, you know, how a particular performer, for example, you know, tools like, Clara Copilot or Gong or like Mojo, like those are tools that are available to show you what your reps are doing well and what they're not doing so well. And you can tap into what they're not doing well and make it better and tweak it, right? You have all that conversational intelligence inside there to tell you, hey, you're, when your reps are talking too much, you know, they lose a customer. When they've not asked enough questions, they lose a customer. So these are things you can use this insight that we didn't have before, <laughs> right? Now you have it, you can use it to coach. So now there's no excuse of why you can't actually do the coaching. So that's the first thing for me is what leaders should care about. How many leaders care about it? I don't know. But leaders should care about turning their B players into A players. Because at the end of the day, reps, if they look back on their career, they're always going to remember the managers that helped them to make the most money. I'll pull it, <laughs> I'll pull it out of there, right? That is what the reps will look back on. Which manager helped me to make the most money? And you want to be that manager. If you're not the manager that helped them to make the most money, you've not, gonna, you've not done a good job. You've not been a good manager. Yeah. I think it's a very good point, but it's not that, I think everybody at the end of the day cares about it, but how much do they really care about it? Because also, it's a very difficult task to coach people, to grow people, and we're, then we're, we're very, sometimes quarter to quarter, you know, living short-sighted about the targets, etc. Your priorities might go somewhere where you feel more comfortable. Or some, I've seen some leaders, quote-unquote, sitting in their ivory tower and just don't want to get their hands dirty and ask you know, um, to create some decks to present uh, with some numbers, but never really doing the hard work of actually understanding um, what are the common missteps um, about our reps, how can we improve on them. And some, I remember myself, I didn't really have much of that data in my early days of leadership. And that's exactly why we're trying to build those insights into flow as well. Like, because we see that, you know, 26% of winnable deals are falling into cracks because your reps are just not multi-threading or following up in the right way, sharing the latest and the greatest. So those things that, that are avoidable and now data shows it to you, just like you say. Yeah, I mean, if you are, you know, in your Eiffel Tower somewhere, you're not a leader. You should have a different title, <laughs> right? Um, a leader is someone that leads, that leads. <laughs> That's the key thing, not build reports or dashboards. Right. That leads by example. <laughs> so if you're not leading... You're not a leader. You should be like, I don't know, go to sales ops or something. Like, that's just my opinion, <laughs> right? Um, if you're not helping your reps to win deals, you're not a leader. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'm brave enough to, to say that, right? No, I love it. And I think people just like when you just say what everyone else is thinking. So that's exactly what you're doing. And this is probably going into uh, the uh, the teaser of this this episode. So if anybody yeah. wants to listen to this episode, this is probably going to be the teaser for it, which I love it. Like I, the, the whole idea with sales therapy is to talk honestly about what everyone else knows, like not the point to brag, to say the truth as it is. 
Um, one other thing that I wanted to discuss with you, um, I think you're very eloquent, as I said before, in the way that you express things. Um, I think it's, it helps to uh, be... Um, I'm not a native speaker of Tur of English, uh, obviously. I'm Turkish myself, so I always admire people who put their thoughts into very well uh, and eloquently created sentences. Uh, one thing that was really striking for me was when you saw Flola for the first time, you put it into better words than, than, than I ever could at that point or, um, you know, clarify. What do you think about the tools in our space these days, like buyer enablement in general, flow load, our competition? What, what, do you think there's a future for those? Where do they sit? Um, I'd like to hear your opinions a little bit about that, if, if possible. Yeah, absolutely. There is, is there a future? Yes. Why? Because leaders today are looking to get even more predictability around key deals that they're working on, right? Predictability in the deals is super, super important for leaders today, especially now, like, you know, there's high growth targets. It's just high targets, right? You've got to close as much as you've got to close, right? So to do that, tools like Flala, your competitors, it's super helpful because you are giving leaders, you know, true insight and true predictability around what's truly happening in a deal where you're at versus what the sales reps happy is might tell you right um you're giving true visibility around you know how engaged uh, a buying committee is with content how engaged they are with the rep so i think tools like flala and you know competitors in your space are going to enjoy more success simply because there's a need for more predictability in the sales cycle yeah and how do you feel uh, i don't know how things work at clary but how do you feel about playbooks and compliance to playbooks, especially when it comes to complex deals. I know some organizations are quite strict in the way, you know, stages, what you have to buy, do by each, they put a compliance score. Um, and of course, you're a very experienced salesperson, so you might do some of those things naturally. But for those who are not doing those things naturally, um, how strict do organizations have to be about their playbooks and compliance, do you think? Yeah, 100%, especially, you know, in enterprise sales, you have to have some guardrails around what you need to do to win the deal. Like, playbooks are important because for new reps, it's really important to it's really important for them to see how what what's working, how can they emulate and how can they see success in a repeatable way. Mm -hmm. That's why playbooks are important. Mm -hmm. Um so if you're not doing it as a company, you should be doing it as a company. If you're hiring someone in enablement, they should be putting that together. If they're not, they should be, and they should mandate them to do that. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, fundamentally, the most important thing to a CEO is revenue. Revenue comes from your customers. So if you're not, if what, whatever you're doing in enablement, in, in leadership, if it's not tying into how to win deals more predictably, quicker, with more velocity, like, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I love how right? many descriptions today in this, <laughs> in this episode, and I completely agree with that. What are you doing? Like, it's okay, like, we have really fancy titles in tech, VP of enablement. Like, what are you doing to affect yeah. deals? Yeah. And how are you helping your field to win more deals? And are you making it easy for them? Is it understandable? Is it digestible? Like that is your mandate. Like let's, let's, there's so many fancy titles out there and almost like sometimes you don't even know what, like what do you actually do, <laughs> right? Let's, let's put it down to like 
affect the bottom line <laughs> revenue. Like that is your first like responsibility, right? Not rolling out a bunch of like training that is not going to impact me um, directly. It's not going to like help me to to win more. Yeah, I just part of that stuff, right? How are you affecting revenue growth? That that is that is key. <laughs> I hope I'm not ruffling feathers today, but no. I just gotta say it, right? I think just speaking the truth that everyone else thinks, and to be honest, everybody cares about those very specific things about like what are the tips like what do i have to do tell me what what i need to do and i'll do it and somebody has to collect them together sometimes it's in a revenue enablement function but then somebody has to coach you on that which is going to be your leader your line manager so i think those are very legit um maybe one or two follow-up questions to this and then we can you know move towards the final section um my follow-up questions will be this what's a complex deal for you and what skills, tools, strategies you have developed over the years that you would advise more junior reps to develop so they can close more complex, higher ticket? Oh, good, good question. Good question. Well, so the first on. question is, what's a <laughs> first question is, what's a complex deal for me? Mm. Um, a complex deal for me is when you have to navigate through loads of different stakeholders. You have to navigate through politics, organizational politics, um, when you have to, you know, create a champion out of nothing, when you don't have a champion, but you have to create a champion out of nothing, um, and essentially have to get, get buying from C-suite. That, for me, those four things is what makes a complex deal for me, right? Um, what skills do junior reps need to develop or strategies um, to be able to close complex deals? That's the second question, right? Yeah, it is. As I said, you're more eloquent oh, than me. Um, yeah. So I think the, the strategies I think a junior rep should be developing is like nail, nailed relationship building, like nail it. I think for me, it's impossible to close a complex deal without knowing or without having someone to partner with in the organization already. It's very difficult. Like, it's very, very difficult, like almost impossible. Like if you don't have a champion that is willing to partner with you and collaborate with you and learn from you and get guidance from you and then expose you to their, their world, it's not going to happen. You're not going to close complex deals. So I think for me, like learn the art of relationship building. Um, super, super important. Super, super, super important. Um, another strategy I think... Um, is definitely learning how to understand your customer's business really, really well. I think that's one of, we have reps at Clary that are just absolutely amazing at this. And for me, it's so inspirational. Like, oh my God, they're so good um, at understanding the customer's business, understanding the customer strategic initiatives, how this solution they're selling ties into that, how they're gonna deliver ROI, um, that is another like just learning how to build really good business cases is also a skill that you have to learn and develop and you know it's 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 not an art but once you get really good at understanding the customer's business their real pain what they're trying to achieve as a company and how you tie your solutions into that i think as a junior rep i think you you'll you'll be successful I love those it. two those are the two things yeah, and skills can be developed, but I think the the basics, which is care, curiosity, empathy, those things you have to have them 
because like at least the basics of it right like I feel like if, if you don't have that basic, like if you don't genuinely care about somebody else's issues and problems, which is why I always call selling is like therapy, like you won't go very yeah. far because you'll be bored. Like you shouldn't be in sales. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so then uh, last question then, which is really a good leg, right? Um, and these were great, great advice, by the way. This makes me think, Michael, we have to have this on a quarterly basis because you're just throwing gold out there. And Thank and you. maybe I'm a bit biased because you're just speaking everything in my mind. But anyway, whatever. Um, so the last question then, you should be in sales if you have. You shouldn't be in sales if you don't have. What are those? Um, you should be in sales if you have. Oh, such a good question. You should be in sales or willing if to build. you have. I don't know. Say again? Or willing to build on, let's say. Willing to build. Okay. So willing to build. So you should be in sales if you have a willing to build. Um, you mentioned it. I think curiosity is a big thing. Um, it's actually one of the most important qualities that you need. Um, so you should be in sales if you have a desire to learn more about people, learn more about customers' pain points, what they care about. Um, I think if you are if you're charismatic, you should be in sales. Um, if you are very good with people. You should be in sales. You're very good at communicating. You're very good at getting along with people. Um, and people like, like if you if you're a magnet, if people like to be around you and learn from you and talk to you, like you should definitely be in sales for sure. Because you have you have something that not many people have, which is the power of influence. You can influence people really well. Um, and last one, you should be in sales if you have grit. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately true. <laughs> so if you don't, so you shouldn't be in sales, <laughs> probably if you don't have all the opposites of us. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that explains everything. That's great. Yeah. That's, yeah, been, yeah. A, that's been a great wrap up. So I'm going to move to the very last section. Um, actually, okay. the whole conversation has been a bit like this section, which is great. Very specific tools, tips, methods, and I've, you've, you've been throwing them at us but let me try in this way so this is three fire rapid questions all of them okay. in under one minute okay? okay okay let's go so as a closer what's your go-to strategy for sealing a deal get your champion on text uh that's my go-to strategy yeah maybe send them a flow first anyway just shameless plug <laughs> <That> <laughs> Okay, but that works for me every time. Every time, every time I get some, uh, my champion on text, I close deals. I close a deal. Okay. Um, what motivates you in a sales role, and what do you think? How do you think you can motivate others in a sales role? Okay, what motivates? <laughs> You're gonna laugh, but it's such a cliche um, answer. My commission. <laughs> and then what motivate? What can? How can I motivate other people showing them my commission check? <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, do. I definitely do miss the days of having the commission. I don't miss the days of having to have my team to close as much as me to have my commission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing about being a manager, right? You actually, sales is one of those careers that as a manager, like your team can make more than you. It's oh. just one of the only careers I know that your yeah. teammates can, can probably make more than you. And then you go crazy and decide being a founder and build something for salespeople, which is even crazy. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I say my commission. 
Commission is like the most motivating thing. Another question for you. As an entrepreneurial spirit, which you are, um, you yep. show that in your job and it comes across, but you have other hobbies, things, things to do, side hustles. How do you juggle them all together? Um, you can't. <laughs> you just, you just got to do it, right? You, you can't. When I say you can't, you can't do it in a way that, you know, it's balanced, right? Like you, you just can't. Like, you know, like your business might have serious needs, and maybe work is a bit more like quiet. So, how do you juggle them all together? I, I think my biggest advice is just dive in, solve problems, and learn. That's the only thing. Like, don't worry about balancing them all. Dive in, solve problems, and learn, and just try to make a big impact on people. That's all you should worry about when you have many side hustles. Because otherwise, you get burnt out. You get to a point, you're like, why am I doing this? And if you're not having any impact on people, if you're not learning anything, you just, you stop, you quit. Yeah. The moment you gave that answer, I realized this is exactly how I would have answered. So I don't think there was a way to set you up for a more formal and, you know, shiny answer like do this or do that. Because it's the reality mm -hmm. and I feel the same. Sometimes something gives more, sorry, takes more time and energy. Um, yeah. But the burnout. Especially building a company. Building a company is so energy consuming, right? Right. It's it's 24-7. And, you know, we have a lot of salespeople out there that aspire to be founders, which is fantastic. But, you know, you have to come to the reality of it. It's a 24-7 job. There is no work-life balance. Doesn't exist. And you can speak to that, but right? I can't. I'm not a founder. I have a business, but there's a difference between having a, a business like mine and being a founder of a tech company, right? Um, so the, this is where grit comes into it. Um, and just, you know, your passion for the value you're delivering and your passion to make an impact on people's lives. That's what's going to help you to wake up every single day and do what you do. Yeah. I think... Uh, you're not a founder, but so wasn't I. But then I realized I was almost like a founder in my old jobs. And I think you have that spirit to like very entrepreneurial ownership. It comes from the childhood, as, as you said, dependability. You know, when, once you own something, you own it like yours, uh, which, which I think employers are really yes. like to find people like you and us in that sense. So when I find those people, I try to make them happy. Anyway, like any good therapist, I'm going to have to cut us on time, which we are. This has been an amazing conversation, Michael. Thank you so much for being one of my early guests and putting up with my hiccups and, 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 and everything <laughs> uh, as, I, um, as I navigate this new role. Uh, but hope you enjoyed it too. I did. I really did. I really did. You know, you asked some great questions. Really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, it got me some things to reflect on too, right? You know, when you're talking to someone, a lot of the times you're talking to yourself, right? So gave me some really cool things to remember and reflect on. So thanks for a great conversation. Thank you. That's a very kind thing to say. That means you were talking to a worthy person. Good. So if people want to find out more about you or want to reach out, where should they go? Is it LinkedIn, Twitter? What my LinkedIn. Uh, my LinkedIn. Yeah, my LinkedIn is the best place to go. If they want to find out more about me, they want to talk to me, just go to my LinkedIn. It's Michael Rummy Akinley. Um, and yeah, I'm quite easy to find, hopefully. <laughs> Fantastic. Michael, this has been an excellent conversation. Thank you so much for doing me the honors. And that's a wrap Welcome. on this episode of Sales Therapy. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to us on YouTube or on your favorite podcast uh, platforms and look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye.